In the first reading, we continue with our story of Saul, Samuel, what's the order? Saul, Samuel, David, and now, no, Samuel comes first. (laughs) Samuel, Saul, David, and now Solomon. So David united the kingdom. Now Solomon is the king. Solomon is David's son. But now we're at the end of David, of Solomon's reign. And we, we see the kingdom about to fall apart, about to be divided once again. And this is a great tra- tragedy, of course, even just within the context of Solomon's life. In his youth, Solomon had asked for an understanding heart. We heard this on Saturday morning. He said, give your servant, therefore, an understanding heart to judge your people and to distinguish right from wrong. For who is able to govern this vast people of yours? Right away, this great position of humility. I don't want anything for myself. What I want is an understanding heart so I can carry out my duties as king well. And the Lord said to him, the Lord, the prophet said to him, the Lord was pleased that Solomon made this request. So God said to him, because you have asked for this, not for a long life for yourself, nor for riches, nor for the life of your enemies, but for understanding so you may know what is right, I do as you requested. I give you a heart so wise and understanding that, has, that there has never been anyone like you up to now. And after you, there will come no one equal to you. In addition, I give you what you have not asked for, such riches and glory that among kings there is not your like. So he got him, even ended, on, ended up giving him all these riches and the great kingdom and the temple and all the rest. Okay, fine. But that's not what Solomon was after. Solomon was after an understanding heart. Yes, but now we get to the end of the story, the end of his life. And what, where, where is his heart? When Solomon was old, his wives had turned his heart to strange gods. His understanding heart had gone astray. His heart had been turned to strange gods. And his heart was not entirely with the Lord, his God. So this is the collapse of Solomon. His heart is now divided not focused on the Lord, but turned to strange gods. And immediately after this, we'll see the kingdom divide. And then this opens the darkest period in Israelite history, known as the Babylonian exile. So what can we do to not follow in Solomon's footsteps? How can we have a united heart, a heart focused entirely on the Lord? We hear the clue in the gospel acclamation, so beautifully chanted today, where it was, where we heard, humbly welcome the word that has been planted in you and is able to save your souls. Humbly welcome the word. This this position of humility. Of course, we know pride is the root of all sin, is the vice from which all other vices flow. And the counteracting virtue is humility. The saints call this the queen of the virtues. One of the Psalms, Psalms 33 reads, it is only by the measure of thy humility that thou canst hope, that thou can hope to please God and save thyself, because it is certain that God will save the humble of spirit. 
there's this book called The Humility of the Heart. And this, this line really struck me. In paradise, there are many saints who never gave alms on earth. Their poverty justified them. Somebody's extremely poor, maybe they didn't give alms. Okay, their poverty justified them. There are many saints who never mortified their bodies by fasting or wearing hair shirts. Their bodily infirmities excused them. Right? A debilitating illness is penance enough. There are many saints, too, who were not virgins. Their vocation was otherwise. Any married man and woman who is a saint who is in heaven is not a virgin, obviously. Their vocation was otherwise, but they're saints. So virginity, chastity is not per se a prerequisite. But in paradise, there is no saint who was not humble. There is no saint who was not humble. This leads us right into the gospel. This woman, this Syrophoenician woman by birth, not a Greek, not a Israelite, a Greek. She comes to the Lord. She has no rights as far no birthright to salvation or to belonging to the people of God. Of course, we, we know this had come through blood, through the Israelites. She has no right to this, and she knows that. And Jesus says these terrifying words to her. Let the children be fed first, for it is, it is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. She's calling her a dog. He's calling her a dog. And what does she say? No, Jesus, I'm not God. I'm not a dog. No, Jesus, I'm not a dog. I've done all these things. Look at all these great things that I've accomplished. Look at the way I see the world. Look at all these things. No. She says, you're right. I am a dog. That's that extreme humility. Yes, I am the lowest of the low. Yet even the dogs eat. Even the dogs under the table eat the children's scraps. So she's even doubling that. She's even going beyond what Jesus said. Jesus just called her a dog. And she's saying she is as if a dog under the table, even lower than what Jesus had said. Even that dog eats the children's scraps. She's in this position to receive the word. Humbly welcome the word that has been planted in you and is able to save your souls. So Jesus says to her, for saying this, you may go. The demon has gone out of your daughter. There it is. Humility. Now, this is, in a sense, the end of the, this little sermon. But today, since we have a special, special day. We have an anniversary of a couple who is celebrating their 60th wedding anniversary. And any married couple knows that humility is essential for a wedding to last and to be fruitful and to be holy and happy, to, to have been together for 60 years and, and to still love each other's company has certainly, has certainly been a testimony of their humility and their love for each other. So 
So I have a special blessing here for Mr. and Mr. Mrs. Wilcox. If you would just stand up right there in your seat, and I'll give you this blessing from the Lord and from the church. Lord, increase and consecrate the love which Dominic and Sandra have for one another. The wedding rings they once exchanged are the sign of their fidelity. May they continue to prosper in the grace of the sacrament. We ask this through Christ our Lord, and I bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand.